Good morning. Welcome to Talking in Stations. All right. Uh, my name is Carneros. I'm your host today. Uh, I'm the CEO of The Bastion. Uh, happy to be here. I have my co-host, Mr. Elise Randolph of Pandemic Legion. Good morning. Hey, it's good to be back. I was uh, traveling for the last uh, two or three episodes. So I've uh, had to be listening on the podcast. I didn't get to be involved. It was terrible, but I'm uh, happy to be back. Well, it's great to have you back. Thank you. Very much appreciate your help today. And we've got wonderful guests today. Let me let me start with Mr. Dunk Dinkle from Brave Newbies. Good morning, everyone. Hello. Wake up, drink your coffee. Uh, bottom left corner of your screen, let me introduce you to Titleist Warden from Sturm Grenadier uh, in uh, Black Legion slash Fraternity. Hey, good morning, guys. And uh, I wish I drank coffee. It'd be good right now. Oh, amen. It's uh, it's helping a lot, if I may raise my my uh, uh, stormtrooper mug. And then uh, also, you can't see her on camera, but she's here with us. May I introduce you to Delana Ivo from Pandemic Horde. Hey, guys. Excellent. It's easy to pick out her voice and out of the voices if you're listening to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. So we, we're going to talk, first we're going to go through some news items that have happened this week in EVE Online. Oh yeah, go for it, uh, Dunk. Dunk's holding up his, uh, his, how many years has this been going? Three? Three years has this been your petition? Uh, a while. I, I don't keep track of such things. Um, been going for years, ladies and gentlemen. He's holding up a sign to the camera, which some of you at home can't see, that says, CCP, please. Tech 2 salvage drones, and it has a picture of a lonely, not yet fully realized drone looking at the camera. It's very touching. Okay, we're, um, but we're going to go through our news items, and then our subject for discussion uh, for the show today is reviving NullSec in the aftermath of the Age of Chaos. Not that we're even sure if the Age of Chaos has ended or not, but... Just uh, that's what we're going to discuss today. Oh, and thank you for the subs, guys. Thank you very much. All right. Um, rolling back up, though, to the news items first. Uh, switching my over to my notes page. Hang on. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, how many of you were watching yesterday on the live stream, uh, the live YouTube stream? Uh, from SpaceX with Elon Musk talking about the experimental interplanetary spaceship. I thought that was amazing. Uh, oh, it was that uh, sexy, but, uh, you know, Elon's got that that style of vocalization. Kind of turns some people off when he's uh, half discussing a topic, and then he, he's got the squirrel syndrome once in a while, too. It's a little bit of a squirrel syndrome. Sometimes, I know, sometimes it... Feels like he might be on drugs. I don't know if I'm the only one who perceives that. But it was, it's still, it's a damn sexy spaceship. Could we get that skinned for our, uh, our I guess that would be our, um, what's the Galente of oh, Thorax? I think that's probably a Thorax there. If we had to compare that ship, uh, that we were showing a picture on, on this to the stream just now. Looks like a shiny, silvery Thorax. Uh, but... Um, yeah, so Starship Mark I had the two halves joined together. They built it in separate pieces. Like they, I don't know if you've ever seen how they built submarines these days. It used to be that they laid one long keel and then built the whole thing out. 
but now they build it in sections, kind of put some of the furniture inside and then join the sections together. Uh, and they see they did that with two halves of a spaceship on Saturday. And that was the uh, sort of reason for getting together and having a press conference and a presentation. Um, I have to thank January Valentine for setting up some of these notes for me because she giggled as she put this in. Starship, uh, the Starship is the uh, latest name for the upper stage of what Mr. Musk has been calling the BFR. The B stood for big, the R stood for rocket, and Mr. Musk never publicly explained what the F stood for. I assume fancy. Yeah, I'm sure that's that's what it was. It's kind of like reminiscent of the the giant gun from Doom. Uh, if is that BFG nine thousand. Yeah, exactly. I do remember the BFG nine thousand warmly. Okay, yeah. So there, yeah. There's um, a whole Reddit thread about it. Uh, there's um, plans on running a twenty kilometer altitude launch and a vertical land test within two months using this Mark One spaceship. A starship just unveiled and all the parts are reusable it was very interesting oh wow i direct your attention to the chat now where we had put up a picture with the size comparisons that was impressive i had forgotten about that part uh but yeah no um uh he's uh he went off on a whole philosophical thing too about life on earth and how rare it is and he doesn't believe there are any intelligent aliens nearby or they see no evidence of it. And he thinks uh, we need to do our best to keep, um, keep our planet and our, our species and stuff alive before our sun eventually millions of years from now gets too warm for earth. Yeah. Very impressive. I love the uh, comparisons with the millennium Falcon, et cetera. I liked a uh, part of the discussion you had had there is regarding materials and the relative costs of them, and uh, it kind of explains why they're willing to take. Uh, I guess some people would say it's it's such a risky venture to to have such uh, uh, stringent timelines and such. Uh, I think Titleist might have gotten uh, might have lost his mic there for a sec. Oh, sorry about that. You able to hear it now? Yes, sir. Thank All right. You. Yeah, I was saying uh, it was interesting to hear some of the discussions regarding the uh, material discussion, you know, using what would be considered relatively older materials <clears throat> because the uh, cost difference just ma doesn't make it uh, – the, the, the lower cost materials make more sense. And, of course, if they lose the rocket, they're losing pennies on the dollar at that point. Money counts, guys, when you're flying to other star systems or at our star system, but he called it a starship anyway. All right, next item on the on the news. Uh, let's see. This, as everyone should know by now, the Council of Stellar Management 14 released their meeting minutes this week. That was a big deal. A lot of the talk shows this weekend have been discussing that. I'm, I'll be honest, I've only read about two-thirds of it so far. It's a long document. I'm enjoying it. Later this week, we're going to do a special show that's not this show and not the next Sunday show. It's in between. We have a special show. Matterall is going to interview CCP Dopamine. It's going to be dope. You want to be there? I love it. Thank you. And uh, it's going to be um, better than the last Not a Sota from Brave Newbies, where Dunk Dinkle ate the 9,000 degree 
tortilla chip that almost killed him. Are you okay, bro? I've been wanting I've been wanting to get yeah. one of those tortilla chips. I'm glad that you uh, you know pulled the trigger on that one. So I I am warning you. Uh, and human words are not enough to stress how much it is an extremely bad idea to ever eat this chip. And I caution no one to do it. It is a bad idea. I, I, I can't express enough how painful and terrible it is. And uh, that said, I'll, I'll happily send one to you. I was watching the, the Players' Championship, which is a, a golf tournament uh, a few months back. And they, for some reason, uh, their producer was like, yeah, let's make people eat these chips. And ever since then, I was like, man, I really want to try one. But I've been a, a bit gun shy uh, because it seems absolutely terrifying. Everyone's reaction has been the exact same. This is painful and it actually just gets worse day by day. I, I wouldn't say day by day. I mean, the first the 30 minutes really make you question reality and your life choices and um, a lot of things. Uh, and then you kind of get through that uh, terribleness and then it just lasts about a day as it works its way through your system and then you're done and you feel um kind of reborn well if you do need to get some sort of sustainable food inside of you if you want to watch the or read the csi minutes which i suggest everyone does uh ccp convict the new community developer at uh, ccp uh put his uh pulled pork recipe at the very bottom so you can uh, you can make that he actually posted a picture of it on twitter too it actually looked kind of delicious Wow. Okay. Nice. I'm just happy you survived, Dunk. I was worried about you at, at one point. Well, I didn't help myself with doing two shots of whiskey and then mixing white claw and rip it together uh, and putting that all in along with the chip. So that, that was not my brightest idea. All right. All right. Lessons learned. Okay, so I um, uh, also want to see, yeah, so the summit minutes have been, are being discussed in other channels. We're going to take it, but they're mostly commentary on it, I notice. We're going to go through it in a more uh, systematic way. And uh, so I think you're, it's well worth s signing in for our, uh, our upcoming show. Uh, and then next thing up, the EVE Online Championship Series is currently running. Oh, I just wanted to interject real quick oh. for the for our dissection of the uh, the CSM fourteen minutes. We'll also have CCP Dopamine, uh, the other uh, CCP community guy, um, on the show to to deal with or to go through the the CSM minutes. Yep, excellent. And we have another uh, commentator on the show today. Uh, commentator, what happened? I missed that part. Sorry. Did you okay, introduce uh, Dylana or yeah, did I, I did that? introduce oh, sorry, Dylana. my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah you I'm got sorry. it. Okay. Yeah, chime in anytime, Dylana. We're just chatting it right now as we go through the news. Um, I, do okay. I do love CCP Dopamine. I think he's super cool. Uh, he has, uh, I didn't work with him back in the day. I didn't, I've never met him. I think he's really cool. He's got a really good energy. That's, it's hard to get for um, someone who hasn't played EVE Online before. So... Uh, that, that's always a good thing to see. I have uh, met him just once at the uh, Eve Toronto, but he's going to be at the Eve Vegas in a couple of weeks as well. So for, for all those people that are dying to meet him, he'll be there. Excellent. Okay. And then um, going on to the Eve online championship series, uh, this is currently running. It's uh, it's, it's not quite, it's like a long extended version of Alliance tournament, but run by the players. So it's not, um, 
That's not, oh, I'm going to ask you to put a couple links up, if you would, uh, uh, Maestro, or I could type them into the uh, Twitch channel. But um, they are, it's, uh, if you're at home, it's eve-cs for championship series.com is the website. So eve-cs.com. And that will give you the schedule and the standings and more information. And then the matches that are streamed on weekends are on twitch.tv slash eve underscore CS. Currently, the Tuskers have a team called the Piglets that are undefeated. I think that's their, I think they actually have a, a few teams, but I think that's their only, their like pure North American team. So they've got like an NA team and an EU team, if I'm uh, remembering it correctly. So there was like a grudge match between uh, yesterday between the, the EU team and the NA team. And I, I assume the Piglets are the NA team. Maybe I'm wrong. But, but it seems about right. I thought it was cute that they, they named them the Piglets after a small version of the Tuskers. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, I love watching AT uh, matches. I'm sure I would love watching these matches too. It's been... Uh, busy this weekend or I would have caught them but this goes on for weeks still check out the schedule the standings um, give them some support uh, they don't uh, they don't get quite as much free publicity as the alliance tournament does so help them out guys next up fraternity oh, you know fraternity has evacuated to Torrid as far as we can see and um, can we throw up the Dotland map of of uh, Detroit when you get a chance? Uh, and it um, it's you know active. You can see Legacy Coalition taking over parts of it, maybe halfish. So stuff going on there. People moving around. Just want to keep you up to date with that. Any comments from the crowd here on that? Well, it's definitely been a strategic repositioning on some of that stuff. I mean, it's, it's somewhat obvious from, from what's going on down there that uh, uh, certain relocations had to occur. So uh, we've been you know, taking it in stride. I'm a, I'm a frat CEO. It is what it exactly. is. So you keep up the, you keep up the uh, intensity and uh, you know, good, bad or otherwise it's, it's, it's all good. It's still fights. It's still fun. So uh, am I, uh, is it? Do you think? Does anyone think that it uh, has to do with kind of the the end of the blackout type thing, where people can uh, you know capture stations a little bit easier? Like Entosis was never really uh, a good fit in blackout, at least uh, from my understanding of, of how it was working. It was always like such a pain in the butt to kind of go in and see what's being captured because you would have to go to each and every individual node. You could, even if going into a system, it wouldn't be there, and you couldn't even just scan them in case someone was in like a recon or something. Well, yeah, remember, so we've been fighting. We'd been fighting for about four months before blackout really hit. So the, the main issue was it's just such a grind right now. The kind of quote trench warfare of uh, you, you have to take down Sino jammers. The only way to take down Sino jammers is to take out the I hubs. I hubs are entosis timers, and they'll be time zone tanked into you know fraternity strongest time zones. So it just was a serious, serious grind. Um, blackout just made it more difficult, but it's just the concerted effort um, that Legacy put forward that finally started getting toeholds. And then once we anchored a keep star, it was very hard to push back at that point when we had a keep star to launch from. But 
it's been really good fights. It's been six months of action every day, all time zones, things happening. I hope people have been enjoying it. Seems more like a mop-up operation now, but you never know. You, you can't predict. And just to remind everyone, like a year ago, the shoe was on the other foot and it was Legacy about to get pummeled. And we had been losing the war up until ULAX and that was led by fraternity. So this is a bit of payback for that. And that kind of gets lost sometimes in the narratives about bad test people. And uh, I just want to, is this, did I read this right? Because I've unfortunately been away from the game for a little, for the last two or three weeks. Um, did I, did I understand it right? That part of the, the, the tactical relocation of uh, Fraternity of Winterco, they, uh, you know, sold off some of their keep stars that were already planted uh, to test and legacy and the pandemic horde is actually being the the middleman for it. So like pandemic horde holds the keep stars, and then as soon as uh, legacy pays the money, they transfer it over to legacy. Is that how it's working, or do they get totally debated into that? Uh, I I have no idea about that. I stay out of that kind of stuff. That's probably a Villy question more than a me question. Because that's such an interesting dynamic, right? You've got like Black Legion and Pandemic Legion helping out a Winter Coalition. And then, you know, Pandemic Horde's not really getting involved. NCDOT's not really getting involved. Uh, and then Tess goes to like their quote unquote enemy being like, hey, do you want to be the middleman to dispute the or to <laughs> hold the keys in the middle of dispute? It's, uh, it just shows that EVE Online is not like black and white. There's so much gray all over the place. Wow. Well, I mean, there's something to be said for uh you know you want your you want to win a war but you don't want your enemy you know, you know it's not really a blood grudge kind of we want them ground into dust so if it's a win-win situation maybe and I, I don't know anything going on but you know maybe fraternity gets a little money back and uh, legacy gets some keep stars which aren't easy to come by all the time it could be win-win and of course gobbins is a very smart person is always uh, makes a lot of smart financial choices so um yeah, I could see it happening, but I don't know if it's going on, but that'd be pretty interesting dynamics to see. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, these types of things are always hilarious to me because it happens all throughout Eve's history where you have these guys who are like, they seem to be on the opposite sides of the uh, the spectrum when it comes to like battling it out. Like one guy's like the good guy, one guy's the bad guy, like hate each other, well, not hate each other, but they've been fighting each other for such a, a long time. And then eh, we'll be kind of friends with you in this one aspect. I mean, going back to the Droneland days, uh, Horde and Test weren't necessarily enemies for, for a lot of that. It was mostly indifference or uh, mutual mutual friends that they were supporting or mutual enemies that they were fighting against. It wasn't, a, it wasn't an A-B relationship. There was always a middleman for a lot of that due to the amount of space involved. Yeah, the, the relationship in this whole uh, Winter Covers legacy thing is such a weird little quagmire because... Uh, just because everyone's like doing their own thing a little bit, uh, even people that are part of like quote unquote the the bad guys. Because for a while, people thought it was going to be like this huge proxy war. At least the the tin foilers were saying, "Oh, it's this huge proxy war to, between Panfam and, and Goon Swarm to keep uh, you know Legacy tied up in this corner." But it turns out now, just just dudes want to have some fun, you know, and shoot each other in in the spaceships. And the buying and selling of assets at the uh, end of a war isn't unheard of either, certainly. It happened quite a bit in uh, Dronelands when Skill Yourself and uh, 
the other entities that were involved with that uh, started occupying what five regions of space in like two months. It's like, well, we can't build this infrastructure overnight. Some of it was one through attrition. Some of it was through backroom deals. Some of it was straight up is. Yeah. So that's a cool little wrinkle if it, if it is actually something that's true or if it's just a, a rumor that I'm getting trolled on. But I really like the, that type of dynamic of, of the, these type of Eve, Eve wars and stuff like that. But Dunk, would you say that the, the war is like over, over? Or is it just like, you know, we're going to put it into like a lower gear for a little bit? I wouldn't say it's over, over. I mean, we're in kind of that mop up phase where one group has decided they're going to try and extract as much as they can and take as few losses. Um, so there's fleets every night. I mean, we get pings. Unfortunately for me, a lot of the pings happen when I'm asleep in the middle of the night. Um, so there's, there's kind of structure pings and TOSIS pings to you know, retake the systems and knock everything down. So that's still going on. So occasionally there's a fight, but I, I don't see any big fights happening right now. Um, it would have to be a kind of a YOLO fleet, a fraternity that wants to go just have some fun right now. What's going to happen next? I have no idea. I'm more involved in kind of the uh, logistical side of, you know, moving the new kinds of sinos into place, the new kinds of ships to do the sinos, getting liquid oxygen where it needs to go, fuel, all that kind of stuff, which is is key to kind of uh, not really glassing an area, but to rebuilding an area, if you will. Uh, do we have any predictions on the action moving to a different region? Uh Innsmother, Wicked Creek, farther? No? Well, I have a feeling that uh, things are going to die down a little bit pre-Vegas. I have a feeling Vegas is going to be an inflection point for some of these things. Uh, a lot of discussions happen in Vegas, so I wouldn't be shocked if uh, e even up north, uh, uh, Sword Dragon had ordered an attack on MTO when I was controlling that, and uh, it stopped. It stopped for Vegas completely, and then it picked back up the week after. Yeah, the uh, the last E Vegas, I was talking to a few people from from Test and Tappy, and uh, the big thing that was on everyone's mind is they had lost Pro God Legend and they didn't know where he was, and they were trying to find him. So he, uh, the, yeah, he I'm pretty happened. sure he was at the sports book. <laughs> that would make sense, actually. Just passed out in one of those chairs. That, this is reminding me, I need to recharge my uh, external battery, my 8,000 milliamp hour battery. So, you know, I can actually be plugged in the whole day while I'm walking around Vegas. Yeah, Amen. yeah, I, <laughs> I'm kind of aware of the story. It was kind of a mess. Delana, you, uh, you dropped off a little bit. Can you, uh, can you hold your push to talk longer? Yes, sorry. I'm on my phone having to do this. So um, I'm not used to having to do the push to talk on here. Thank you. T tell us a story. Tell us a story you know. <laughs> okay, so um, so we were at Fogo de Chao, which is where we always have our Pam Fam dinner, and I we had our own room, closed off room. But I saw that Test had their own table, like in another part of the restaurant. But like we saw where they were, so like I we keep walking past them. You know, go to the salad bar and stuff, and you know just kept messing with them a little bit. And then I saw that pro God was not there. And I was asking them like, where did he go? And they're like, we don't know either. <laughs> and then they came in our room, like looking for him. I'm like, Oh no, because I know him personally. So like, I'm like blowing up his phone. Like, dude, where did you go? They're wanting to know where you are. <laughs> and then he messaged me later. Like, I don't know where I am. <laughs> God. Um, so it turns out he was so excited to do Fogo 
that he didn't eat much before he got there. And then like people kept giving him drinks and he wanted to, you know, be nice and take the drinks. So he just, he got a little bit more in over his head than he expected. And uh, he left the restaurant because he wanted to get some fresh air because otherwise he was going to puke on the floor or something like that. And then he just kind of got kind of lost from there. Uh, I'm not sure how much he would want me to say, but I know like he just he uh, just lost track of where he was and was not in the best frame of mind to locate himself. Eve is real. That's, that's all I got to say that that happens. I, I have to say, I get excited every time someone says the words Eve Vegas. I, I can't wait. There have been a lot of discussions about it this week. People planning dinners, people planning. I know one person planning a brunch, uh, cocktail receptions. I can't wait. I can't wait. Oh, yeah. I'm in total hype mode. Like we have our um, Pam Pam barbecue. It's going to be huge. Um, I have been in full planning mode with... Um, designing swag for Horde and for Talking in Stations. Um, this whole week has been pretty busy because it's basically the cutoff for a lot of things to be um, in production on time. So I've been having to do a lot of the design work, the last minute ordering, like I barely beat the buzzer on Friday, like thing had to be submitted by four o'clock and I submitted like 3.58 or something. Good <laughs> takes like four weeks and I already had to pay a rush fee. So um it's yeah, it's getting exciting. I can't wait. I, I do. I do want next week. We'll hopefully be able to tell you about an upcoming uh, event that you can attend, where you can meet some of your favorite people from Talking Stations and get to see some of the the crew that help us build these shows that don't that don't necessarily get on camera very often. So, you know, you'll you'll love that. Don't miss that. Okay, where are we? I got I got lost there for a second. Uh, burning napalm. This was a shock. Went right through the Eve Eve uh, community really quickly. Burning napalm has been a uh, just a pillar of Northern Coalition dot for a long time. Ten years for ten years, you know, uh, ten years is a long time in Eve, uh, and they surprised everybody by switching to uh, to pandemic horde this weekend. Uh, the rumor I heard was that a change of scenery was desired to help them um, uh, revitalize activity in the corpse, stimulate activity levels, which I completely understand. Uh, absolutely. Does anybody on the panel know any more about this? So it's something that we've kind of seen before, right? So uh, Burning Napalm is, was one of, uh, as you said, one of the early pillars of Northern Coalition. White Arrow is, uh, I think they're... Basically, their CEO, but uh, probably the most notable name that you'll know from uh, Burning Napalm. He's one of Eve's uh, most illustrious FCs. Um, he goes through a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, a great guy. Um, but uh, PL kind of experienced something very similar, right, with a, a corp even older than Burning Napalm named Bat Country. And Bat Country, um, their leadership was like, you know what? Uh, we need to change of pace a little bit where our numbers are down. We're only putting like one or two people in fleet, uh, which is the same thing that was happening with burning napalm. And, you know, we just need a change of scenery, but we don't want to go very far, right? We don't want to be like uh, going into uh, just jumping into something completely different from what we're used to. Uh, we want members to be able to come back, access their stuff, um, so on and so forth. 
And so they moved to a pandemic horde. Uh, it was very similar to what Backcountry did uh, in hoping to, I don't know, get, get people more involved, uh, get people logging in again, get people away from WoW Classic, wherever they've been to. Um, and you know what? For, for a lot of these veterans, and, and this might sound uh, ridiculous, but a lot of veterans really like being around the, the newer players, which I'm not saying Pandemic Horde is all new players or anything like that, but there are a lot of younger players in Pandemic Horde, right? And that... Uh, excitement that those players have is really infectious for, especially for veteran players. And I've seen it like all through my time in, in Eve online. Uh, you know, a lot of the, just these older veteran players who have seen it all done it all. Uh, they like finding a, a newer guy and like spreading some of their stories, spreading some of their knowledge and uh, just getting excited about Eve again in the way that, you know, only younger or newer players uh, can get. I yeah. think that's the same story on, uh, I'm sorry, with Iron Armada uh, and Trigit. Uh, we'll, we'll call the the slang term is Y dotting down to join Goonswarm. Um, to he compressed his alliance into a corp and moved the corp into Goonswarm alliance, and I think it's partly just to to stimulate activity. Yeah, Delona. Yeah, what I was going to say is. There's sometimes the perception that we would joke about that like NCPL or like the bitter vet retirement home. It's like where people that have played for so long that just like burned out on playing completely and just complain about the game and then just play other stuff. I mean, I know there's still like some active people, um, obviously, but I guess, yeah, if they were looking for somewhere to really kind of get some more action, get some more activity. I mean, Horde is just booming. Like we're always having stuff to do and we used to not have as many corpse and now we're just i'm always like surprised like wow we're we're getting some more people this is exciting um it's always great to have more people especially if it's like these older guys because um i mean i still remember the days where we had to deal with the newbie op um doctrines like we're saying like how many people can even fly the big things but uh now i mean we've been around for a couple more years and um yeah, always doing more stuff, and it's it's so fun to have more people now. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how it turns out, uh, to see how the shakeup works. But it's, um, I, I don't think it worked out very well for, for backcountry. I think what ended up happening, which invariably usually happens, uh, like people either get really into it or they get into it for just a little bit, and they're like, eh, no thanks. <laughs> this isn't what I remember. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. I hope, I hope for them that it works out because, you know, a lot of the, the guys there are really great. Uh, they have, you know, just been playing Eve forever. So uh, I'm excited to see, I guess, just how it'll work. And I don't think it's like a big uh, kick in the pants to NC or anything like that because, as I mentioned, these guys, uh, they probably weren't very active for the last few months, right? And if you can't get a critical mass of people doing something then you just lose even or even more and more people, right? So uh, this will hopefully uh, spruce them up a bit. Amen. All right, one more item before we go into reviving NullSec, which honestly, this item, this last item was kind of about reviving NullSec too, if you ask me. But um, this is a little bit humorous. Happened, I think it was yesterday. A, a Goonswarm Corp. <laughs> I, I don't know if they kicked the main corp or, or exactly what happened that got them upset. But a guy in a Goonswarm alt corp called Offenjungs Inc. flipped a, a Goonswarm 
uh, the Philipta Corporation owned Sotillo to the executive corp of Northern Coalition DOP. So best friends forever. So suddenly, I, you know, the BFF guys would have suddenly seen a, a notification pop up on screen s- saying they received the Sotillo because they're open to, to upwell structure transfers. Hello? And, uh, and, uh, and then if they would have looked, they would have seen, oh my goodness, that's in Delve. We didn't put a Sotillo in Delve. We didn't buy one in Delve. Uh, how'd that happen? And of course, uh, Goonswarm noticed and immediately moved to reinforce it. Drama ensues. Any, uh, any of you know any, anything about this? Uh, I don't, but it's, uh, I guess it's a tale of as old as time, right? Someone gets kicked, they get mad, they're like, ah, you have fun in reinforcing this structure, blah. Like, no one expects NC to launch an invasion off of that Satya moved over. But it's like, ah, you don't get to keep this, now you have to shoot it. See you in like two weeks when it's dead. Yeah, and if you consider the asset <clears throat> basically valueless at that point, you might as well as have some fun with it, especially if uh, the the break was not mutual. <laughs> if it was very much one sided, it's like, well, all right, let's just throw this that way. Let's see what happens. A little more chaos, Reeve. Yeah, people have uh, sent me um, Pocos, but that's about the extent of it. I've never gotten like a full Keepstar or a full Sotillo or anything like that. Well, I would like to offer myself as a mediator in this conflict and dispute and uh, formally say that Brave will take that Satoyo off everyone's hands, will remove it nicely, put it somewhere that it'd be used. So you can reach out to me, Dunk Tinkle, and I'll be happy to receive that Satoyo and get it out of the offending space happily. Well, I do feel bad for the people who had jobs running in there because there's effectively zero chance of getting their jobs out. Just zero. It actually looks like um, a few capitals uh, died on the CTO um, because it got freeported by by NC, I guess, as soon as uh, as soon as they got it or so they know what would happen. So people were kind of basing off there. I know there's um, a group that uh, like lives in Dell. They're uh, like unaffiliated, but they're grouped with everybody. There's people from Horde, NC, uh, just all over the place. Uh, and so they kind of hunt and delve and make that their thing. So they apparently ha- had a little bit of fun over with the, using that Satio as a, a little free port, uh, baiting people on it who didn't really know that it changed ownership. So I think they killed uh, like two or three caps on it already. Yeah, because the important thing is it was free ported to everyone except goons. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. I should have made that clear, but yeah. I heard except Imperium. I don't know how specific it was, but... Uh... Yeah, it's definitely been uh, adding to the in, uh, intrigue out there. I didn't go over and look at it. By the time I heard about it, it was already reinforced. But uh, sounds exciting. It's always good to have a little excitement going on. And there's always hostels in Delve. There's not a time of day when there are no hostels in Delve. So you do something like that. And yeah, there's going to be someone around who will jump in on the on the party. Oh, just to, to clarify, it looks like they've got a, a Rorqual, uh, a Minakawa, and a few Nidhoggers at the, uh, the, the Wyataco uh, new NC Dots Freeport. Nice. Muzzle tough. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Okay. So let's go, uh, let's go to our, our main topic for, for today, which is um, Melsec and recovery. And here's, here's why we're bringing this up. From, from what I can see, um, uh, 
Eve Nulsec has not returned to pre-chaos levels of activity. It's coming back up a bit since um, the lights got turned back on by Concord and uh, the blackout uh, ended, or at least ended for now. We, but we haven't uh, snapped back to pre-chaos levels of activity in Null. And that includes both ratting, mining, PvP, logging in, uh, you know, peak concurrent users uh, are not uh, uh, are not what they were six months ago, etc. How are any? First of all, do any of you want to? Are any of you seeing this too from where you are, and or, or have any comments about that before we talk about how to fix it, or or what we can do, or what CCB can do, or uh, well, I can give you what we're actually seeing as far as data-wise, if you're interested yes, in that. Yes, sir. Well, basically, you know, we run stats on what's obviously happening in Brave and more widely in uh, Legacy. And from what it appears to us, uh, we kind of tried to take it the Sunday before Blackout ended to the Sunday after Blackout ended. And those stats basically show um, it was like a stop of the loss. So we stopped dipping, which we had been seeing week after week. Um, so we didn't see like in one week everything hop back up. I think today's stats, which would make it two weeks to try and be comparative Sunday to Sunday, will be pretty interesting, I think, for everyone who's monitoring those stats. Um, so that's good that we've stopped losing people. Um, getting people back in is obviously an issue. And then we can see that the PVE, which is more difficult to track as, a par as far as active PVP, um, uh, we can see the market is happening. We're seeing the transactions, the reprocessing. We're seeing the taxes go up, but it's more difficult to measure uh, exactly what that means. So it seems the PVE has restarted. Definitely the exploration people are are back at it, um, plundering whatever they plunder. Um, but as far as, you know, we took about a 20% player hit from Blackout over the two-month period, and I don't see that coming back in a very quick fashion right now. Anyone else on the panel want to comment? Uh, for my membership, uh, I've got a couple of different corporations that my group uh, operates. And for some of our folks, we decided to just shift. Uh, they, they said, I don't want to operate in uh, uh, be considered a, a major battleground area, or they did want to. So they, they shift back and forth between the two as needed. So when uh, Blackout hit, we saw a rise in PvP activity, P uh, hunting. PvP activity specifically, whereas before that it had been more of a uh, more of our guys were willing to sit back and earn ISK and, and uh, sit in a defensive posture instead. They had earned the ISK already. They were in blackout now. They said, "All right, let's get out and do this." And then since the blackout was lifted, uh, I think our work wall activity went up about uh, ten thousand percent, something like that. So they they decided to shift back a little bit more towards the uh, ISK generation. <laughs> Okay, sounds good. Sounds like you have got activity. Activity is good in itself. Well, ensuring that uh, our pilots could have flexibility was something that allowed us to weather that that specific moment. I don't. It, the larger alliances should have had no trouble with that. I don't know that they marketed it properly to some of their line members, and maybe that was part of it. Well, and part of it is, I mean, you know, WoW Classic is a thing. Definitely took a lot of gamers. If you if you look at 
Discord and, and what people are playing, you'll see an awful lot of WoW Classic there. Um, I myself even playing Borderlands. I like Borderlands 3, so I've been playing that myself. So there's a little bit of when the, your main game can be a little frustrating and then you want to take a break and play some other things, you kind of want to get to a stopping point in other games. So I wouldn't be surprised if um, if people trickle back once they kind of uh, are wrapping up some other thing they started during Blackout. Yeah, so you, once uh, Molten Core and Anixia and Darkwing Lair, all the or Blackwing Lair, all that stuff gets run, and you okay, Eve Classic doesn't have anything to do for another three months until uh, Blizzard puts a patch out, then then maybe you'll see a, a spike during that time. You did say Eve Classic, by the way. Oh wow, that's funny. You know, oh, I'm sorry. Classic. Yeah. Have that on the mind, don't you? <laughs> hey, we could use some uh, Eve Classic too. Sure, why not? Let's go back to when we could throw you know three micro warp drives on on a ship and see what happens. So I've seen um, a few people from like smaller groups that turn into hunters. Uh, when when Blackout came in, they had this huge resurgence, right? So they went from having maybe five or ten people on a fleet up up to almost forty uh, going into like mid Blackout. And I know a lot of them after Blackout has come back, they're like, oh, well, all that fun in, in the hunt is gone now. But they're also seeing more people out there to hunt, right? Because towards the end of the Blackout, it was getting few and far between what they could actually catch. Because um, no one really wanted to go out, especially in their, their shiny new toys. And especially after the Sino changes, right? So uh, obviously you could have just parked... Uh, a pilgrim or a falcon next to you or something while well, you did your stuff but people still chose not to go out uh and, and risk their ships for good reason because they, they didn't want to lose it uh to just all these hunters that were just swarming all over the place um and they did mention that every once in a while they'd run into other hunter groups but more often than not uh if there were like fights that would happen it'd be because they accidentally ran into a gate camp because they weren't scouting right or uh, the home defense fleets didn't really know what to expect, so we only put a few things out there. Uh, but yeah, most of the time, th those guys were only going after hunters and not uh, running into each other. So those guys, uh, a little bit, they're still trying to recover a bit, but I think they had, they had two months of uh, feasting. So we'll, we'll see how, how they recover. Uh, it did seem to be a little bit broken uh, in terms of gameplay-wise, where you could just live in a wormhole or use a wormhole. Uh, roll it to any region you wanted to, and then go out and catch people uh, before there is any home defense uh, that could catch you. Yep. But there needs to be some sort of middle ground. I know these guys have said, hey, maybe like 30 seconds of, of not seeing me in local or something like that. Now, something I've been trying to push to, to my corp mates, uh, certainly the, the corporation and even into the alliances that I'm a part of, is the idea that uh, risk should be part of your gameplay. Uh, I see a lot of new members who are brought in who are told, oh, this is safe space. This is, uh, this is where you should operate. You hear the concept that null sec is safer than high sec. And uh, if you ingrain the idea of risk early on into the member, they're less unwilling to take risks, I think is the right way to word that there. Because uh, you see some of these folks who are... Uh, I guess you call them the, the perpetual PVEers. They're the ones that just want to see the bank numbers go higher. And uh, trying to convince somebody who's already entrenched in that mindset to revert back to a different mindset, you know, that's almost like a snapping point for some people. They go, oh, this just isn't right. It's almost like losing your full-time job. You're doing a PVE thing 24 hours a day, and now you're, oh, I have to PVP. Oh, God, that's such a horrible concept. 
I think another big part of it is no one likes to be nerfed, right? Like no one likes to have their gameplay hindered because it was uh, too good, too strong or whatever. Um, and the same goes for like the hunters. Like they always hated being nerfed all the time. Uh, I remember so many people that would uh, cry to high heaven. These, uh, uh, these people who all they did in the game was PVP. And whenever they're uh, 30 kilometer a second, like Vagabond got nerfed, they're like, oh, this game sucks. Uh, we can't fight, get any fights. And that was like 10 years, eight years ago. So uh, just nobody really likes, uh, obviously no one likes losing and no one likes getting nerfed. It's uh, this gut wrenching reaction. So I, I don't blame the people that were just like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> it used to be able to get 100 mil takes. Now it sounds like I might die. Yeah, I saw Noisy <laughs> mention that uh, you don't get people to join your alliance in the first place if you don't offer them some kind of safety. And, and I'm perfectly fine with that. You have the safety now, but uh, pushing the, the narrative in your own group that the safety is temporary. It is the illusion that exists now. So that they are prepared for when the safety isn't there is probably the better way to train a newbie to become a, a bitter vet someday. Well, I think I think there's a little bit of, you know, I think people will accept change when there's a, a carrot and a stick. Right. And it seemed like for a lot of people, this felt like only stick and no carrot. So I think that was, I think, one of the messages that the CSM tried to put forth is people are OK with uh, making changes, but they have to have something that they're looking forward to or a goal or something that counteracts just what a lot of people felt like was, um, a, you know, a direct push against what they did with no alternatives to, to get a little something out of it. Yeah. Well, the idea was that like you guys had their people had like this big carrot, so <laughs> they could still eat the old big carrot. It's fine. But I, I get your point, especially from like a, well, a I'm talking about I'm, I'm talking about just like when you implement change, right? You you can't say uh, it was great. Your supermarket had all the fruit you wanted for three years. And now we're going to take away all the fruit in the supermarket because you had too much fruit. You're like, where the fuck's my fruit? Now, if you bring in some other product, maybe people will be like, OK, I see why you're taking some of this stuff away. But in the case that CCP did, there was there was nothing. It was just like. Let's take away your exploration. Let's take away your subcap ratting. Let's take away all this stuff. And there wasn't an alternative kind of more balanced play style put into place. It's interesting that, and you mentioned this before when you said your your numbers, uh, the explorers took like a huge hit too. Not just people doing uh, PVE stuff or mining or anything like that. Uh, what, what do you have to think? Like, I would think that the explorers would be fine in Blackout because they like to be like cloaky doing their own thing uh you know spooky little cloaky ghosts but but no they they were just like yeah, screw well, this. i'm not i'm here. an explorer so they'll probably people in chat and podcast comments can take me apart but you know they fly fairly blingy ships to do higher end uh, sites and they don't know they don't have any defense so when they're doing the cans or whatever it is you exactly do in the explo site someone could sneak up on them because there's no local be completely cloaked and then uncloak, tackle them and kill them. And they would literally have no way of knowing that person was there because the combination of no local and people can fly cloaked and then uncloak and tackle them immediately made it, there was literally no defense to them. And so they felt that they couldn't, with no counterplay, um, have a successful thing. Yeah, I sold now, uh, tell, a lot. Tell, of now tell me how I'm wrong in chat. No, I think you're you're probably perfectly right there. I saw a lot of people uh, buying cloaking Lokis. I actually got into that market hoping that it would take off, and it did. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of people went out in the cloaky Lokis. 
I just assumed they were waiting in, in sites to, to grab like Vexers and Myrmidons and stuff like that, or VNIs and Myrmidons. But I guess it does make sense that they would go after like the, the Stratios types and stuff like that. Right. And then also just the, the newer players, like one of the big pushes we would say for the newer players, go out in a frigate, you can do the, the lower end kind of sites, make some good money. And if you see this, you can try and escape in your frigate. And even those people were just getting clobbered because they didn't have the covert ops cloak. And so it was just tough on some of the newer players uh, to just make the money to get their next cruiser. That, that's that's what we saw. And so we were hoping there'd be new ways that you kind of balance out. Um, it's not completely safe with they can see everything in local, but also we do have solutions for the lower skill point, the lower, the newer players to do stuff to make some mist to n- not build Titans, but to like pay for their next Caracal or Hurricane. We, uh, we also, if you, if you look at the risk reward ratio here, you can say that the risk has gone up because of the Sino changes and, uh, it's harder to get a rescue fleet to you, for example, but uh, you have to last longer in, in combat before you're going to get uh, potentially saved. But look at the reward side for a moment with me. The, the mineral prices in, in Delve, I don't know about other places, are not good right now. They've come down, they've eroded since... Um, uh, blackout got turned off, and they're not high right now. Uh, there's a lot of competition from there's there's. It's not as big an incentive as you might think right now. Um, there's still there's still ratting, but we've uh, we've told people to adjust their fit, and we've given them some suggestions for how to do it and stuff. And it's 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 definitely more hassle. Um, reward has not gone up. Um, it's still it hasn't eroded as much, but it's you know it hasn't um, hasn't gone up. Are, are you saying the ore prices up. are too high or the ore prices are too low? Ore prices are low right now, so they're not able to make as much money by selling it. And super cap. So a lot of people used to when that happened, they would just build super caps and build caps and try to use that to use up their ore and and sell that. And those aren't very high either. So there's some there's less reward i'm seeing for some uh, i'm trying to get people to unlock and go to well i i think i think dell is an exception case to a lot of eve and i think that the 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 amount of industrial focus and the ability to put forth effort and all that kind of thing in delve is is spectacular and amazing um but i don't know that it reflects the rest of nullsec about um what's going on there because that is something that goonswarm has focused on and they've created this very low price for ore uh, the rewards I'm talking about is if we want to increase risk in EVE, which is, I think, something everyone kind of agrees upon, I'm saying the reward for increasing risk should also be commiserate in some way. So people feel like what they're getting out of taking on more risk is a little bit more reward. That's something I think all the CSM agrees upon. I think Olmeca's in chat. I think he agrees with that. I think that's the kind of reward I'm talking about. The the ore price in Delve is always going to be low because you guys have such a strong, focused industrial effort. I would love to buy ore at that price. One of the interesting things is I think... CCP was actually on the same page as what you mentioned with the CSM and uh, stuff like that. But I think their view is, well, you had all these rewards for so long. So you you just have the surplus of reward that you can uh, deal with. And and we'll come up with something later on, Uh, like uh, one of our 20 percent things will will come on at at some point. 
So I, I guess they didn't expect uh, people to have the reaction of, Hey, uh, where are my rewards now? It's not, it's not okay to say, Hey, I had a lot of rewards like a few months ago. That's not going to sustain me moving forward. So I think that that could be, and, and that might be off here, but I think that's, uh, uh, where the difference was between the player base, the community and what CCP felt. Right. I think, you know, I think it's pretty clear from the minutes that CCP did the blackout to see what would happen. They knew there'd be frustrated people and they knew there'd be happy people, but they wanted to see for real what would happen. And they did. And I think what everybody in the community is looking for now is what's next. Like, How do we take that information? How do we take those learnings and put them into the game in a way that kind of gets the best of what blackout brought and avoid some of the worst of what blackout brought? So I think everyone's looking for like what's next right now. While you were at the, the CSM Summit, which I think was your first, right? So congrats on that. Um, yes, an unpaid four-day business meeting. Yeah, it was great. Um, with like a 10-hour flight, so that was even better. Uh, but they had just started looking at that data and just starting to dissect it because it, it was pretty fresh at that point. Um, do you have, have they like said anything to you guys about what's, what they got from that data, what they gleaned from it? Uh, or I guess anything non-NDA'd uh, that, that you can give us on that? Or is it just they're looking at data TM sign? Um, I, I really can't go more than what's in the minutes. You know how the confidentiality works. I mean, I think um, like I said in my post that came out right after the CSM summit, there are a bunch of smart people with a bunch of interesting ideas at CCP. They definitely... Uh, have a lot of things that they could be doing. The CSM uh, gave ideas, feedback, all kinds of things you could imagine of that. It's really about execution right now, uh, getting the resources assigned to execute some of these good ideas. Um, they'll be able to make some big change. That's the real question I think that the CSM has, and I think the wider community is about execution as opposed to anything else. Just a, just a gut reaction for you. I'm not saying break NDA or anything like that. Do you think the the chaos age is is over, or are we just kind of like in the eye of the storm? Like, is there more chaotic stuff coming, or are they going to do after the reaction to this chaos? Are they going to do like little tiny chaoses, like just just little ones? Just just your um, reaction. I think I, a, I think that the things didn't go as they expected, right? And so now they're kind of rethinking. I think you see in the notes, especially the session with Hilmar, he has some very high level ideas about how game design should be done and how Eve should work. And I don't disagree with them right there. That's the thing. And then the, you have people in forums and everything, and they're talking at a very like, you know, five more power grid on my vigilant or whatever it is. Right. And in between is where we need like the operational connection to be right and so there's special people the game designers the design directors at ccp that need to convert the you know mount olympus mars kind of discussion to um oh my daughter's calling um need to convert that into actual game design and implement it right so my gut feeling is they have everything they need jeez everything they need (laughs) i know uh, they have everything they need to do it. It's a matter of if they decide to do it, and they've got a big focus on NPE right now. So I'm hoping that we get the first round of NPE stuff deployed somewhat soon. Uh, that's my daughter. All right, I'll be back. Go for it. Take it. Uh, but I, I, it, let me ask you guys for some advice for a second. So I've got I've got Moonfrax, 
that in, in my group that are, um, you know, shared public moons. Um, I can't get my guys to undock and even mine them. Uh, some of them are in fountain, some of them are in delve. Uh, and, uh, I, I'm, I try putting it in the Alliance message of the day, uh, you know, for moon frack, just come, just come here and mine it. Okay. So some of them are getting mine. I'm not saying none of them are, but, uh, some of them, I just can't, you know, now it's not a obvious looking at a, a moon frack, how valuable it's going to be. That's not something that's transparent uh, to users for, by CCP game design. I'm, I'm not sure what that gets you, but they designed it that way. Uh, do I just ignore that and keep fueling the Athenors and keep uh, gunning them again? Well, for my guys, uh, I've, I've always pushed the idea again that uh, risk is part of the reward. So it's... Uh... The, the, the individuals that I have who go out and uh, perpetually mine these things, uh, they're expecting to have a loss periodically. So they've factored that into their financials. Yeah, even though they're more financially focused, they, they believe those numbers should occasionally have a, a dip as you know they lose ships or uh, uh, drones, mining drones, that kind of thing. Well, I say drones, whatever, the uh, ex excavators. Along, and it was the culture that I built them with that, that makes that uh, the changes in reality, I guess I'll put, you know, the, 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 the chaos, the pre and post chaos stuff. It, it really shaped how they viewed that because they just said, oh, chaos is here. It's like it's day two now. Oh, chaos is done. And we're back to being able to see local. Now it's day three. Like, it doesn't matter. It's just another day. It's another set of circumstances. And they and they play through it. Uh, as for your specific question regarding should I continue refueling, I think you should look at what you're refueling, not necessarily uh, whether or not you should. You may need to just tick back and say, well, you know what, uh, R16s are hot right now, R32s are still garbage, uh, R64s, of course, are fire. So you, you refuel the 16s and the 64s, scale that back, maybe offer uh, a more personalization service, maybe let them rent the moons themselves. I don't know how you operate it specifically, but we've offered, uh, if they have a little bit of skin in the game, like if they purchase the rights to the moon, it will get mined. And then that filters into your economy. And then that, that, that built makes it come full circle. Delana, what do you guys do? What would you do? I mean, I'm not as involved with some of these things for horde. Um, so I don't do a lot of the mining stuff, but I, don't know, I feel like we, I don't know, we do some of the similar things. Are you seeing people come back after uh, Blackout? Or did you even see people leave Blackout in the first place uh, in Horde? Um, from what I could tell, like, I mean, I, I did some ops and it still seemed like, I mean, people were still showing up. We just always, you know, insisted like, you know, you're, you guys are covered. It'll be safe. Like, it's fine. You can still come out. And I know we still probably lost, you know, some people if they were out just like being not careful enough um, out in Rorquals and stuff, because that's just how it always is. Um, but people are still always going to want to go out there and do some crabbing. So, for, I mean, from what I could tell, I think we, we still always had people out wanting to make some isk. Okay. And I wonder, I'm going to propose a, a question just to... I don't have like a, an agenda to it or anything, but just a, a question I'm throwing out in the ether for you guys. 
Do we think that moving income streams for alliances from top down to bottom up, do you think that was a mistake uh, after we've, we've had uh, so many years of it being top down, like with, I mean, and having like tech moons and just moons that uh, alliances would control and then sprinkle money down to their members, as opposed to uh, having ratting and mining and all this stuff to get people in space um, but then just taxing on top of that. So that, that's what I mean between top down and bottom up. Do we think that was a mistake trans, uh, transitioning from the, the top down model to a bottom up model? I'd say absolutely not. It got individuals involved and it showed where uh, very strong leaders had a bit of a, a, a stranglehold on the rest of their group. And those groups started to fracture when the the money wasn't being held. Like you mentioned, the tech moons, the R64s, the Dispro moons, that kind of thing. Uh, a little bit of fracturing occurred in groups where they were intentionally top heavy because of entrenched leadership. So okay, I think yeah, it was good for that. And so I, I enjoyed them as a catalyst for combat. Yeah, we, uh, uh, I, I think it's, it's much better to have something like the way moon mining works now than the way it was in the past. Uh, I'll get quite passionate about that if I have more energy, but the getting the individuals in your group involved in kind of generating the ISK for themselves and the alliances is kind of in the middle ground between completely top up or top down, top up, whatever you want to say. It's a middle ground because most groups are doing some sort of taxation or rental or something in which um, the the individual person doing the work is getting paid. And then the people who uh, at the top of the organization need alliance level funding, uh, they're getting paid as well. So I think it's a great middle ground. And at the emotional level, it makes people care about the space they live in, feel some investment in why they're holding this moon, that kind of stuff. And I know people like these fights over posses and all that kind of stuff, but you know, it, it led to the same kind of cartels that led to lack of fighting over things in the past as well. So the reason I ask is because it does seem like to a lot of people from what I'm hearing just from er different areas of uh, the game, they, they keep saying over and over again, we miss fighting over an objective for a reason, right? So I can't send 100 people over to disrupt your moon fracking because you'll just, you'll just not frack it, right? And you'll go do another one or something like that. Um, where back in the day, and this, a lot of it is these people having rose-colored glasses, if they want to, they can just shoot your, shoot your moon, reinforce it, and then force you to show up within between 24 and 32 hours. Like you had to show up or you would lose it uh, and you'd lose a significant uh, amount it's, of it's money. It's changed from fighting over the moon to fighting over the iHub. So you go and reinforce somebody's iHub, they kind of have to defend that or they lose all their upgrades, a bunch of stuff like that. And as we saw in the war with Winterco, the fights over the iHubs, would be thousands of people in subcaps just duking it out endlessly. So I find it I find it's shifted from the kind of let's fight over the moon to fight over the iHub, but the it's still an objective. It's still a big negative thing if you lose that iHub. And uh, just playing devil's advocate again, I, I have no agenda here. I was just talking about this with a friend of mine, and uh, we were wondering what the implications were. But it does seem moving it from the bottom up. And this may just have been a coincidence at the same time. It, it made people group up a little bit more. It made these super cap umbrellas uh, the way to play, right? So, and Goonswarm and the Imperium, they they nailed it, right? They they hit the nail right on the head, and they saw uh, the best way to play, the most optimal way to play, and that shove everyone in a region, 
put a an, put like a super capital umbrella so everyone there can just prosper, right? Um, but it does make people clump up and. Uh, as you mentioned it, fighting over iHubs, you're talking about thousand on thousand. That's, that's a, a pretty big fight. It's, and a lot of people, a lot, at least a lot of PVPers, they don't like the thousand on thousand fights, right? They, they'd re- much rather take uh, a 200 on 100 or like 250 on 150 type of fight. Some are of these people just like dinosaurs uh, that are playing games? No, from, I, I, no, I, I, I think they are. There was a podcast. Um, I think it was on TIS about um, the fights that went up in Scalding Pass, right? So it was one corp in Brave, our incredible corp, went up there and started kind of taking Sov and planting things up in Scalding Pass in one constellation and fighting against uh, Lord and some of the other small groups. And these were like 20 on 20 fights. Um, And people had a great time. And it shows what a small group on both sides can do to have fun. And I think we should encourage that. I wish there was some more game design around those kind of smaller things. But it, it does still happen. It's not everything is a thousand on thousand. So we did a show um, it recently. does exist up in the, up in the North, the same thing up where, wherever they glassed, exactly. whatever regions those Tribute were, there's a bunch That's of that smaller stuff going on. Yeah. How, what can we do to get the, the, let's call it the tribute and veil model where these, these smaller groups are, are in, interacting with each other. That's not, you, that's like an anomaly in that section right now. You don't see that in whole other chunks of NullSec. You, you can fly through chunks of NullSec that are just empty right now. What can we do to encourage that to spread to more places? Hold on. That's let me, tricky let me open up the, the CSM minutes to make sure something's in the minutes. <laughs> that's good. That you don't get your next call isn't, uh, isn't Hilmar making you uh, come back to Iceland. But, uh, you know, the tribute thing... That's just that's literally just a handful of people saying, uh, I just want to fight. I don't need money. I've got my own personal war chest and my my players all have this personal war chest. We don't live in this space for for the the stuff in it. We don't really rat or do anything like that. We just want to fight people. And these other people also want to fight people. And we just lucked out in them being here. And they're going to keep fighting until one of them either burns out or they say, eh, this is boring. I don't want to do this anymore. Peace. And then they're gone. Right. And, and there's not the only thing keeping them there is just a few individuals really wanting to be there and to have that type of content. Yeah. I, I, it, it's people have to be self-motivated. I mean, in every group, yeah. um, last night I was in comms and they, the guys were all bored that their gate camp wasn't catching anything. And I had this crazy idea that you have to actually leave home and go roam somewhere else and go try to kill people in their own home. And, you know, I think people, someone has to take the initiative group to go create the content. So, you know, if, if people in smaller groups want to go do something, I, I, go take somebody solve in some place and someone will show up and there'll be fights to be had. Yeah. Leadership is in part marketing. You, you got to sell the idea that, we got to go across the street. You got to sell the idea that we need to build chips. You got to sell all these different ideas that, that sometimes are conflicting. And uh, that's, that's the leadership in Eve. Well, the, the problem is, and I'll push back a little bit here, uh, doing something like uh, having fun in tribute with uh, groups that are like you, that's something that people were motivated to do and they did it. But by all accounts, and I'm not saying they're bad or anything. I, I think what they're doing is amazing. And I'm glad Kendar is back. But in this, if you take like a big picture view, 
of the game. They are technically playing it wrong, right? And I'm going to get a lot of flack for saying this because they're not playing it wrong. I like, like, personally, if I were to be active again, I would be in that type of scene, right? But when you compare it to someone like the Imperium or Legacy or Panfam, those people, uh, the way they play is amassing them uh, a super capital armada that can just crush everything else in its path comparatively, right? So if Panfam went to tribute, that, that fight would be over and those people wouldn't have... They wouldn't be able to play there anymore. They would just have to leave. Their only reaction would be to leave, right? So, how do you motivate yeah, someone I, I don't, I don't, to play yeah, I don't a losing strategy? Well, I don't know that it's a losing strategy. I, I, I think there's so much space, so much room, so much places to go and do stuff. I think that there's opportunities everywhere, and I know people don't like the super cap umbrellas, and I can't speak to everyone's reason for quote crushing everything in their path, but I can speak to our own groups. And as you at least know well, better than probably anyone is um, Brave has been kicked out of many regions because we weren't able to push back. And so a key driver for us is the defensive ability to push back and hold the line and not get kicked out of a region. So, um, you know, from my group's perspective, we're building our industrial base so that we can't be kicked out, right? And there are groups that absolutely could kick us out, but we want to be able to hold our own in a fight. And that's our motivation. It's not global dominance. It's not galactical emperorship. So I think that there is some reasonable expectation that you can build a super capital force for defensive reasons. As far as going out and getting good fights, there I, I keep saying it, go look at all the different regions that there's stuff going on, small groups all over the place. And if you want it, it is literally there for the taking. Just take a corp, 30 people, and go take a couple systems. And I guarantee you there will be action that happens. But there's there's a difference between action that happens and action that you can deal with, right? Like if I go to Delve and just reinforce one DQ, uh, I'm not obviously I'm not gonna be able to to get anything out of that. Um, similarly, like, uh, what I'm talking about now though, is kind of like the, the broader strokes, right? So brave, the brave that got kicked out of wherever they would go, uh, doesn't really exist now, right? Because just the way the game is, even though you guys were having everywhere we went, (laughs) yeah, even though you guys were having great fights every day and, and having fun and whatever, uh, you guys chose, and this is a strong decision to make to diplomatically tie yourself with one of the larger blocks. And then you build up in your space, right? Like that's the, that's the type of style that uh, the, this bottom-up type of uh, gameplay reinforces and rewards, right? Brave hasn't been kicked out of their space. You guys aren't going to be kicked out of your space. But at the same time, you also from, are from your lips friends. To Bob's ears. <laughs> but at the same time, you're friends with everyone around you too, right? And that's not... This isn't a knock on Brave because you're playing the game the way the rules of the game benefit you at this point. And this is how all of the, the big players do it the same. But is this because we transitioned from a top down to a bottom up type of model? Or is this because of something else? And, you know, is this even good? Like, is this a type of game that we want to keep playing? Or, you know, do we want people to condense uh, and get bigger and diplomatically closer to one another? Well, I, I don't think that should be the goal. I want people to have fun in 
whether they want to be PvP or they want to do exploration or they just want to chat in comms or they want to get mastery level five in something, I want them doing all those things in EVE. Um, but the game is the way it is. Every group has its own rationale for why they're doing what we're doing. I've kind of tried to state what, what Brave's interested in is growing our members, having some defensive force that means we can't be kicked out again. Um, but every group's going to have its own, uh, I'll pronounce it wrong, I'm sorry, French people, raison d'etre, your own rationale for why you do what you do. And um, if you just want to fly around and get fights, you can do that. People come to catch all the time. They come to impasse all the time. Um, we see roaming people come through daily, nightly, all the time. So there's still people doing it. So it always seems to me... People are looking for this sweet spot of the perfect fight in their mind. And when they can't get the perfect fight in their mind, they're kind of like, somebody must be to blame. And it's just hard to, to, to craft a game where you give everybody what they think of the perfect fight is. No, I, I mean, I completely agree with that. Um, I, I just was curious as to what you guys thought about, like the current state of the game, like what changes could be made. Do there need to be changes? Like, is it fine the way it is, more or less? There's, does there need to be a big shakeup uh, in, in NullSec? That's not, not necessarily chaos-related, but does there need to be a big shakeup to, to change the, the play style? Um, I, I know uh, McLeod was chatting like when we were talking about the, the top-down and bottom-up, and I think he nailed it, really. Like Having an all-bottom-up model seems not great, and having an all-top-down model seems not great. Is there some sort of sweet, pot, sweet spot in there that we can realistically implement with our or 20% of game dev time that we have or is that just kind of a like you're looking at this game from uh, lenses from six years ago grow up and, and like get good all right well we're we're uh, having a wide-ranging conversation here um the activity levels are going up they're just going up slower than i would like in parts of the game uh, there, uh, you know, people, uh, will give them a little bit more time to, to ramp up. I'll market better to my people. I heard, I heard you Titus. I will, uh, I'll do that. Uh, and we'll, uh, we'll, we definitely want to encourage people all around the map, not just in a few select areas to increase their activity. Are there things I that CCP the discussion can... when, when I was on the phone with my daughter? <laughs> a little bit. We, and, and by the way, you missed a really funny joke, too, where they said that's that's Hilmar calling him, not his daughter. He got mad at him saying too much. But anyway, uh, we, we are there things that CCP could do to help to, to message, to help market revitalize returning to NullSec also without stimulating bots and all the parts of the game that we didn't want to see and we're glad are gone? Personally, in the short term, uh, if CC keep, or CCP could signal that uh, no changes are permanent until stated, <laughs> that would be uh, it'd be a small thing, but it's a thing. And I think they've said something somewhat similar to that. Uh, when Blackout hit at first, the assumption was Blackout is forever, and then it was people fighting over how long Blackout will be. Is there going to be a CCP uh, or a CSM backlash regarding Blackout? And you know all these different discussion points get fractured off of the one change. Whereas if CCP could come out and cleanly say, it is a trial, very much so say, you know, specifically on point, this is a trial and it will end 
that that might help with some of it, and especially with other changes that they're going to be making in their future. I have no doubt that Eve Vegas is going to have some changes mentioned. I mean, they got to have something for Vegas. I mean, do they? Um, no, I think if I had a, like a dream scenario where I was like the, the decider of things, and that was my title, I'd just like to see a, a little post saying, yo, this is what we did. We turned off local. Here's why we did it. Uh, the economy was completely bonkers uh, and it was bad. Uh, here are some things that we achieved. Bots are gone or a lot of the bots are, are gone. We got thousands of them. Like people just love to know that there was a reason for it other than, and because this is how it's uh, been delivered. I think it, or at least how it's been interpreted by the community for chaos, right? Like, Oh, just, just for the sake of chaos. I think it's important to market it or at least communicate it like, hey, we did it for a reason. It wasn't just for fun. This is what we learned. Uh, this is what we're going to do moving forward. Uh, good luck. Have fun. And then just send it off to everybody, like make a post and then send it to everyone who hasn't logged in in like three weeks or something. So they can be like, oh, OK, this is a cool little newsletter. It's not super long. I get why they did it. This is cool. Thanks, CCB. Uh, bots are bad stuff like that. I'm glad you guys learned, blah, blah, blah. Just that. And I think it's pretty simple. And from knowing the the people that play the game who have left and don't want to come back or have left and are just a little bit uh, antsy over the, the blackout changes, I think that would do a lot to settle their nerves, right? You don't have to cater to the the people that are raging on the forums or on the Reddits or anything like that. Just, just get that middle ground of people who don't really talk that much. Okay. Unfortunately, there's one area that CCP can't touch on, and they really can't adjust this at all. They have no, they have no way to communicate and resolve a specific item, which is that if you lived in a particular lifestyle and the lifestyle changes for what you perceive to be the negative, there is nothing CCP can do to adjust that other than to pull the bandaid. I mean, that's they do it, and then you either stay or you don't. They can't. I don't think CCP has the communication skills necessary to make the statement, this is for the better for you when you feel like it's a negative. They can't do that. Your leadership has to do that. Yeah. And we've seen some pretty negative leadership comments on Reddit, on specific talk shows, uh, various podcasts that are incredibly negative towards uh, CCP when really CCP can't make the statement that, that, it's almost like they're shifting the blame to CCP when it's really the leadership's responsibility either. I mean, they could identify and say, yes, this is a negative. Go ahead and say that because it's a negative. But then say, here's how we're reacting. Don't just dump. I mean, what's the point of just throwing a 10-minute word dump out there? Yeah. I, I have to say something for the podcast listeners. You, Those of you who can't see the video right now don't realize what just happened on screen. And I'm going to describe for you that uh, uh, Commander Dunk Dinkle of Brave Newbies took off his headset, put on his monocle, and put his headset back on as a grand gesture and statement, a visual statement. Always with the props. Dunk Dinkle always has props. That's the one thing you can count on. Death, taxes, and Dunk Dinkle with props. Fantastic. It's a good monocle, sir. Looks like you could hurt someone with that. All right. Um, okay. Yeah. There's two. 
there is too much blame going uh, at CCP. There's too much negativity and comments about the uh, 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 personal comments about them. I hate seeing that too. Obviously, I have a bias as a former member of CCP staff <laughs> who, who once had himself dubbed into a Hitler video. Yeah, those are not that, which is, you know, for a Jew, that's a, that's a really ironic feeling. Anyway. That's, that's not a good luck for a, a gaming community. Too. I did not show that one to my parents, but <laughs> yeah, we need to, <laughs> we need, yeah, guys. Come on. So, so part of that, the issue is that there are some critiques that are completely valid towards CCP. Of course, there's going to be some people are going to have design philosophical design differences that they, they they believe it should go A instead of B, or maybe there's a C. They believe there's a C that hasn't even been explored yet. But the signal to noise ratio gets completely distorted once Reddit's included, once these shows are included. Uh, it, it, it amps it up from a five to a ten. It goes, okay, here's this one almost inconsequential thing. Let's expose on it and then tie it towards all the other negative things somehow. And now all these negative things should be lumped in with uh, bots and high sec now. And, and it's like, CCP didn't do anything for bots and high sec. Like that didn't happen, but somehow CCP is being tagged with the bots and high sec stuff now. So now they maybe have to respond or don't. And, and, and Dunk has an excellent... Uh, 2020 vision going on there now i'm really liking that jesus he's gone full monocle which it turns out is just goggles there you go one other thing that it changed too in the dialogue though is that it it definitely opened up people's willingness to talk about changes to uh eve local in between turning it all off and turning it all on there's a lot more conversations of what if we adjusted this or this or this uh, and um, and that's kind of cool. And uh, I, I similar to that, I do hope to one day have a show where we this is this is might be a garbage show. I don't know. But where we just amateur game design hour, try to give CCP suggestions on what to do next with super caps. Anyway, because, uh, you know, there's there is somewhere in between leave them where they are and remove all super carriers and Titans from the game and just give people uh, uh, like a, a medal on their character sheet that says, I used to own a Titan. You know, that's, there should be somewhere in between that uh, something you could do with them. So you're, you're the mythical option C person that, yeah, I, I'm not so, so big of a fan of the option C types of folks. And of course that makes the assumption that CCP will recognize the option when it shows up. I will say after uh, so far, what I've seen of chaos so far, there have been a lot of really good things. Right. And and uh, as we were mentioning, I think a lot of it does get lost. Uh, so we have the the concept, which is something that CCP Rise had mentioned, that there is this mood at CCP that nothing is sacred. Right. I can fidget with anything I want without like being afraid that someone's going to yell at me, which is huge. They mess with Sinos, which I think were a good change that needed to be made. And they made it for a good reason. Um, they mess with local, varying degrees of success. But let's look at the the positives if we if we can for a little bit, right? So uh, they made a change to the game. They looked at what happened and they iterated on that change. In this turn in this uh, scenario, in the case of this, is a rollback within two months in their in their like that time of the year where dev time is like really short. 
So that, that's kind of a cool thing if you want to just think about it in uh, the bigger picture. Like, so you made a change. They said, oh, this change didn't do what we wanted. So we're going to change it, which is something that I think players have been begging CCP to do for as long as I've played the game, which is just like iteration on stuff. Last chance to comment before we start wrapping up the show, guys. Any, anyone have any comments about um, uh, revitalizing NullSec or improving the game right now? Or anything you I want to say one thing. Yes, sir. Sorry, I don't mean to, to railroad anyone. One of the coolest features that has this game has ever seen has come out, and that's in the form of community fits, which is something that I think is going to be a godsend to a lot of people starting the game where you have no idea what you're doing because there's like a gajillion mods to choose from to put on a gajillion ships that you don't know what they do. And now finally there's a way there's like CCB has this thing where you can say, Oh, this is, this is a good starter fit, something, a baseline that you can work on and tweak at the very beginning. So you don't feel like you're just some idiot flying around in space uh, with the wrong guns <laughs> and you don't know what to do. And you have to be beholden to someone else in local or corp chat telling you what a good fit is and who knows if they're uh, just going to troll you and make you fit dumb stuff or not. So that is great. I love that that thing i wish i'd been there earlier uh when i was playing because uh one of my first ships that i lost was a thorax i fit a heat sink to because i had no idea that a mag stab was working for hybrid guns i just thought heat sink the models look the same between the magnetic field stabilizer and the heat sink i was like oh heat sink makes more sense for a rail gun ah, let's get that and my first ever ship like was fit horribly so i'm glad to see like this type of thing is is out there and, and a tool for new players to use and hopefully it gets them to to stick with the game and get their creative juices flowing for like making new fits off of those and uh i just wanted to say my own little personal bit those sino changes i got to have my own uh first personal experience with how those go um it was a few days ago when we were moving some assets and I was like, oh, I just need to move a Sino. Oh, wait, I can't just move like a Sino scepter. Like this is the first time I actually had to think about it. I was like, oh, I guess I need to go get a Falcon and fit that up. So I moved that up and we moved the things. And of course I get tackled on the structure and man, that's just, wow. That was like my first experience getting to sit there at a 300 mil ship, like just knowing I'm going to die with this Sino up. And I'm like, wow, this is definitely going to change some things as to how things work. Absolutely. I had a little fun this morning and uh, forgot. Uh, I decided to just randomly drop my uh, one of my Titans somewhere. And I forgot that I don't have a way home because I hadn't operated in that space yet. So I have no way to actually sign with the Titan back at the moment. <laughs> Oops. So it's just kind of operating somewhere that I'm not going to discuss at the moment. And uh, it'll get back tonight, probably. But yeah, I didn't really think that. Through. I have Falcon pilots. If, if you need uh, fresh Sinos, I'm happy to supply. Oh, that's great to hear, Dunk. Thank you so much. <laughs> I think the only thing I'll add about getting back to the topic about getting people back into the game uh, is events make a big deal, whether it's a CCP run event or player events. Um, people will log in for that stuff. I mean, you saw Smell's, what, ninth birthday with the Titans and the loot drops and all that stuff. A bunch of people got excited about that. In our group, we um, we have what's called a Pirate Day, and a bunch of the legacy people participated where 
friendly fire is encouraged. Um, and even the Titans were weapon free uh, on whatever it could find that wasn't in their fleet. And so player events and CCP events definitely are things that people will log in for and get a little bit of re-energized about having fun. So having events, it, it makes a difference. It's more than just come back and shoot or come back and mine. It's we're going on a capital roam or any kind of event you can do um, really makes a difference to people. Give them a reason to, 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 to log in that day. We did a little PvP tournament just in, in our alliance yesterday in Fountain. That was, that was really, that was really cute. I liked it. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much, guys. Let's go ahead. Um, we're going to do um, two things. We're going to go around the room. If anyone has a tip or something you might not know about Eve to tell our, our listeners, and then we're going to do a couple closing announcements and close out the show. I will go ahead and go first on this and um, give you guys a moment to talk. And this tip is really for a limited selection of the people in the listener group. Sorry. This group is for corporation CEOs and alliance CEO. So, and this has to do with declarations of war and a little bit has to do with the user interface in EVE Online. Hang on, I move my notes over closer. Okay, yeah. If you the now, if you want to declare war on a corporation or an alliance, you basically uh, have to get a get their a link to their group in in a chat window, and you right click on it and you say declare war. It's a very empowering moment. If it feels like you're actually doing something. Anyway, as a leader, and then um, and then the client says, "Okay, let's verify that we got the right folks that you want to get your war target. You don't want to get this part wrong." Okay, just saying. Then the next thing is it tells you is um, is it gives you um, oh, and then it asks you to declare which structure you want to use for your war headquarters. This is new if you haven't done this in you know months or years. You so you pick your favorite structure. And then it gives you this long piece of text that might as well be the end user license agreement and no one's going to read it. That tells you exactly how war decks work. I'm like, really? And you click next. Okay. Anyway, you go right through that. Uh, and then when the war deck uh, clicks, when you get it, you'll notice a build starts immediately into your uh, wallet and you go, Oh, it's a war bill. All right. So your first impulse is this is paying the war bill for the war. I need to do this. No, that's not what it is. That is you've actually just paid the war bill out of your wallet. When you clicked next, that bill is for the second week of the war. Yes, they give it to you at the same moment. And uh, there's not a lot of other feedback in, in the interface about being at war. So, I mean, yeah, there's this thing in the upper corner that no one doesn't notices, but that's not, it doesn't do anything new for having just added a war. It was already there from the previous war, but you just got a, a bill. So you think, oh, I have to pay that. That pays for the second week of the war. So don't do that unless you know you want to go two weeks. And if, you know, something happens and you, you lose your war headquarters on the second day or as they surrender or anything, you've already wasted all that money for the second week. 
So just keep that in mind. Uh, do not pay the bill. Stop and look about it, at it. Think about it. Wait till you really need to. And also keep in mind that if you're an alliance leader, every CEO in your alliance, in every corp, and every director in every corp in your alliance, in my case, that's 62 corps, they all can see the war bill. Any of them see it. Many of them may think, oh, that's a bill. I have to pay it. They don't read what they're paying. They just click, click, pay, pay, pay everything. And they pay your war deck bill for you. And they extend the war week after week after week. You have to explain to them, dude, that's an alliance bill. Please don't pay the alliance bills. I've definitely been uh, guilty of that. Anyway, so that was my long-winded, very narrow, probably not a very good tip. Be careful, don't pay bills. Anyone else have a, something that our listeners might not know? I think it's be careful, pay the right bills. Yes, sir. Well, here's my tip for um, if you are transporting very high value cargo. So um, assuming you have an InstaDoc at the location you're going to, you um, uh, set your destination uh, for the location. So when you enter the system and you have any concerns, let's say it's JITA or Amar or even a hostile system or any place where you want to make sure you dock immediately, as long as you've set destination and you manually hit warp into your InstaDock, if you then, while you're in warp, turn on um, autopilot, what'll happen is the docking procedure will take place uh, on the server tick as opposed to you having to click a button. And so it's probably the most uh, safest way to dock in a station without other people having a chance for you to, to be locked in any way. So it's for high value stuff. Um, if you practice it a few times and uh, you know, keep your blockade runner from getting uh, blown up, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's a really good one. Uh, it, it even works in places like Jita, so you don't get like suicide gank too. So hey, my, uh, my, my tip isn't necessarily a tip. Uh, it's just like a kind of a preference for a setting that many people may not, um, especially newer players, may not be aware of. Uh, because it has to do with how the game looked uh, in the first 10 years. And I think this change was made like eight, not, not, I guess, probably five-ish years ago where they redid the inventory system of EVE Online. But anyways, uh, if you hit escape and go into the general settings tab in the middle under station, there are some checkboxes. Uh, one of them at the closer to the top is uh, add hangar tab. <laughs> that's not a word. Add hangar tab to the station panel to show ships and items. And what that does is it on the right in while you're in station, if you hit the hangers tab, um, it'll show your ships and items in that in that little built in frame over on the side. So you can go through your items and go through your ships. Um, and I think it's a much better way to go through it than going through the inventory system. I prefer it. And uh, I had a question about that the other day from someone who had returned to the game from a long time away saying, I can't access any of my ships. How do I do it? Uh, so, yeah, there's that. That's it's just an easy setting. Uh, really fun to, to have. Maybe maybe it'll uh, make your organization a little bit better. Anyone else? I like that one. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I remember back in the day having to manually anchor that over there. That was way, way back in the day before they had a button. Yeah. So I got two items. Uh, the first one is going to be a security related one. I'm a security. I, I do a lot of security. I write security software. And uh, one of the big things that popped up this week, it was in uh, uh, Pandemic Horde had a couple of uh, folks asking questions about some of the CSM stuff, somebody brought up uh, two-factor authentication and said, well, why isn't this in EVE yet? 
And uh, I had to link him to the article that's several years old now that says, yes, two-factor authentication exists. It is around right now. And uh, yeah, it's it's pretty straightforward to do. You do have to have a mobile device in order to do it at the moment, if I remember right. They might have an email version, but I'm used to the mobile version at this point. But you can use, uh, I prefer using Authy, which is a way to transfer your two-factor authentication tokens between uh, phones. Otherwise, uh, you can use the old standby of uh, Google Auth, which is also recommended on the page there. But definitely use two-factor authentication for your accounts. There really is no reason not to at this point. I'm shocked that CCP hasn't tried to incentivize this in some way. Uh, <laughs> you know, offer 50 plex to everybody who signs up on a new drive so that they could uh, bring this up. Because I've got to believe they have numbers somewhere back there that shows that they get you know, 90% fewer support questions related to uh, accounts if two-factor authentication is enabled. There's no way there isn't a number somewhere. I think Blizzard and Steam said they had like 95% fewer uh, requests for account hacking-related things when they enabled some form of two-factor authentication. It's just too useful not to have. So definitely pushing 2FA. And yeah, I was pretty sure there's an email version. Somebody just mentioned there is, so I knew there had to be one somewhere. And then the second item is uh, talking and stations related. So talking and stations this week deleted all of the invite tokens related to talking and stations. Uh, as a result, we had to create a new invite link. So for folks who have talking and stations links somewhere, make sure to grab the new invite link. It's at the top of the talking and stations Discord server. And then in addition to that, we also have a new onboarding process, which is also related to security. There were some bot related issues. Uh, robots that are sending out undesirable messages. So as a result, uh, when you first join the Talking In Stations Discord server, you now have to prove you're not a bot. And the way to do that is to type a very basic message that is mentioned in the message of the day in that channel. So you just have to read the message in the channel. So like a paragraph long at the end of it says, type this to proceed. We've already had three people screw it up. So I figured I'd mention it here and just say, yes, you must actually read to the end. Just type the, it's one, it's like eight characters. Just type it in, hit enter. You will be given a permission that will prove that you are not a bot. And then you can start interacting with us on Talking in Stations Discord. Thank you. Talana, you want to throw anything out there? Um, I don't know. I don't really have a lot other than um, just go to eVegas. There will be Talking Stations swag, courtesy of myself. Yay! I've seen. The I saw the uh, yeah the uh, abstract for that pin. That looks good. All right, exciting. Yeah, guys, I can't wait for E Vegas CCP. Save uh, some of your ammunition for E Vegas. Uh, don't don't leak anything the next couple of weeks. Tell us on stage at uh, the keynote. And they're Yay. sending thirty people out too. Uh, thirty devs out. Uh, to e vegas and they sent the there's a dev blog somewhere i should have probably had it up before i mentioned it but uh they list all the people that are coming up from ccp and there's 30 it's a ton it's great i'm so excited i want to find the uh the notable exception of uh falcon oh okay yeah he had he had some other stuff going on but um everybody else oh there's gonna be so many people of course you'll see former ccp guard will be around yay and they said he's going to be uh, playing on Saturday night, right? Yep. Yeah, Permaband. They're getting the All band right. back together. Oh, hey, Permaband, Permaband show last year was pretty darn good. I I wasn't really a fan before, but I'm sort of a fan now. So that that changed things, especially with the uh, the bracelets that we all had no idea how to 
we I, most of us had no idea that the the colors could be changed by them on the flag. Yeah, I kept thinking yeah. mine was broken. <laughs> yeah, it I kept turn on and saying, why it is it on? off? Why did it shut off? And it was them testing it, turning it on and off. And uh, in case all didn't notice, the the very cool sunglasses that CCP Guard was wearing with the, that happened to have the Horde logo on them. I'll also say, if you can't make it to E-Vegas, there's lots of meetups all around the world. I think Paris is coming up. Uh, Event is coming up. There's lots of local mm-hmm. community where just 5 to 10 to 20 people show up. And uh, I really encourage people to go to local meetups, meet other EVE players while we can feel these big rivalries uh, in-game about I'm with this and you're that. To everyone else in the world, to everyone who's not an EVE player, we're all exactly of the same space nerd space tribe so you will have fun meeting people to play eve whether you know them in game whether they're your enemy in game go in real life and meet people and it really will invigorate you about uh about the game oh yeah my, with your enemies it's great my very first e vegas uh which was, was actually one of the first official e vegases instead of just the 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 goon swarm meet there uh, I met Lazarus Tellraven, and we became besties. And he was in like the the enemy alliance of uh, Goonswarm Federation, and I was in Endemic Legion. So, uh, as Dunk Tingle says, like if this is your first Eve meet, or if you're considering it, or if you're on the fence, you should go. You're gonna have friends. You're gonna meet people. Uh, they're all nerds just like us. Uh, it doesn't matter if they're in Goons, Tappy, PL, Horde. Uh, pretty much, there's really good camaraderie between all those groups. I was surprised in my very first meet that people weren't more like, grr, I am part of this group. Uh, I don't like you. We're not going to talk. Everyone's just like, ah, you play this game that I play. Yeah, let's have a drink. Let's have fun. Let's go out to do fun stuff. Even better than that, they're not, grr, I'm part of this group. It's, hell yeah, I'm part of this group. There's so much uh, alliance uh, camaraderie that shows up in the form of the flags, the outfits, the crazy uh, accessories you wear, the pins, the tat. Lickable tattoos that people are handing out, uh, challenge coins. Uh, The swag does get quite interesting. Uh, Yeah, it does. (laughs) And a quick note um, even if you can't make these big meetups, you never know um, where all the nerds could be. Like, I never expected this many nerds. Like, I'm in Louisiana and we have our own local group. I would have never expected this many nerds to be in the South. And, uh, even just so much as like, hey, we're going to go to this bar on Saturday. You also go hang out and um, we get like a decent little group going and it's just so much fun. And then like we can get to the point where next year we're actively planning our own, like trying to get a big meetup in uh, Eve New Orleans. And we're going to come out with some more details about that eventually. But yeah, even like some there, you can have your smallest little meetups are so much fun. And maybe you can even get to some big ones, but just um, keep me an eye out for that. Nerds are everywhere. All right. I'm excited. Ladies and gentlemen, if you uh, aren't getting enough talking in stations in your life, I want you to know there's a morning show Monday through Friday called Today in Eve Online, hosted by Matterall. And that's uh, right around 1500 UTC each morning. Morning to me on the West Coast. But, and Matterall, morning for Matterall, too. Um, also, keep your eyes open for special coverage of the CSM 14 Summit Minutes. Uh, Matterall's interviewing CCP Dopamine this week. We'll get that out for you. Should be very worth your time. Thank you. Also, please watch for more of our videos on YouTube slash YouTube.com slash Talking in Stations. We have a hub there. 
You can see the video versions of these shows posted. Uh, you can uh, you can see Dunk Dinkle's amazing Eve meetup pin collection. He, he's got more decorations than a Christmas tree. Uh, you'll be really impressed. Um, you can also, of course, catch our podcast in all the places where you normally get podcasts. Big thanks to our supporters on Patreon, Twitch TV, and even YouTube.com. Uh, thank you again. That's all for this episode. Fly safe.